Good evening, everybody. The share this evening is sponsored. Lilui Nishmas Baruch ben Mordechai. He was the, the father of Mrs. Tali Menashehoff and Ms. Karen Day. Sponsored by Dr. and Mrs. Menashehoff, Ms. Karen Day, and also Ms. Hedva Day. She was the wife of Baruch ben Mordechai, and our learning this evening should be an ilui for his neshama. This is our, our last time together for a few weeks. We're going on our yearly pilgrimage to L.A. on Sunday, visit my mishpacha, and then from there straight to New York to visit my in-laws. So we'll have a little break, and hopefully uh, we'll resume before the high holidays in Ritz Hashem. Topic this evening is love conquers all. And we hear a lot about this in the world, that love is true. And if that's the way I feel, that's the right thing to pursue. Emily Dickinson once said, all I know of love is that love is all there is. had a conversation this past week with a young man whose sister is engaged to a non-Jew. And sadly, these things are very common in the world where one member of the family is more religious, the rest of the family may not be. And it's a classic case where the, the parents would have liked her to marry Jewish, a nice Jewish doctor, a nice Jewish lawyer, it didn't work out that way. So the question is, from this young man's perspective, how does he deal with it? And now there's conflict because they're sensing that he's not, he's not as so happy for her. And they feel that he's judging them. And that he's critical of them and he can't accept them. Another random discussion I had this past week. Someone told me they saw online a bunch of young boys who were burning, his, religious boys burning Israeli flags after Tisha B'Av. His question to me was, how do I not feel a disdain? How do I not feel a hatred for, for, for our Jews, our brothers, who are, who are totally disrespecting Eretz Yisrael? So the first thing that came to my mind parenthetically is, where did you see this? Was it on CNN? Right? Or was it on, I'm not going to name any of them, on a, on a good Jewish website, a good religious website? If you want to have disdain or hatred against anybody, not about the kids burning the flags, about the people spreading this on their website. That's a different story, though. But how do I deal with that, he was asking. Right? There's so many situations in life where we might not agree with something, we might disagree very strongly, where does the love come in? Where does love come into the equation where we have totally different worldviews? Share with you a random question that's bothered me for years, and we'll see hopefully how everything ties together. In Parshas Hazinu, the very last mitzvah of the Torah, Va'ato kisvu lachem es hashira hazos. You should write for yourselves 
This song. What is the song a reference to? So that's the mitzvah of writing a Sefer Torah. Every person has the obligation to write a Sefer Torah. How do we do that nowadays? It's a whole interesting discussion. But why is the Torah called Shira? Why is it called a song? Not a song, it's the Torah. A second random question. We know that in Tisha B'Av, we didn't learn Torah. And when someone's in Avel, when they're mourning, they also don't learn Torah. That's based on the verse that was composed by David Melech, Pekudei Hashem Yisharim Misam Chelev. Because the, the words of Hashem, the laws of Hashem, they're yoshar, they're straight, they're right, they're correct. Therefore, misam chelev, they bring joy. So in a time of mourning, we're not supposed to experience joy. We can't learn Torah. What do we do with the hundreds of thousands of young men who are sent to yeshivas, and many of them might tell you, I'm not feeling the simcha. I'm doing this many hours a day. I'm learning Torah. I'm going through the mitzvos. Pekudei Hashem. These are the laws of Hashem. These are the, uh, the instructions of God. I'm not feeling it. How do we explain that? So these are two random questions to have in the back burner. Why is the Torah called a song? And why is it that if the, 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 the Torah itself, the mitzvos, bring joy, why is it we don't always feel that joy? 446 years ago, the greatest Kabbalist of all time passed away, the Arizal. His yard site was the fifth of Av, not that long ago. On his matseva, on his tombstone, we have a picture of it here, doesn't say much. All it says is, Tov l'kabbal love. it's good to accept upon oneself, le'ehov kol adam Yisrael, to love every Jew, lifnei hatfila. accept this upon yourself before you start davening, and say the following in your mind. Hareini mekabal alai mitzvah say, I accept upon myself the positive mitzvah of ve'ahavta l'recha kamocha to love my fellow as I love myself. And I love all of my Jewish brothers and sisters, just like myself. Except upon this, before tefillah. This is one thing that he said, that's true. It's quoted in the, in the halachic sources. Why is this the one thing on his matzeva, right? The one thing, the one teaching on his gravestone is think about loving all Jews before you start davening. What is it doing there? And what does it even mean? If he would have told us thinking about loving God before we begin to speak to him, that would seem to make more sense. But what's the connection between Loving my brothers and sisters, the entire Jewish nation, somehow leading me into davening better? What is that connection? There's also a famous Gemara, and we're throwing a couple different ideas out here, but I think that the goal of this is understanding the Jewish view of where love comes into everything we do in life, not just in relationships, but in our whole spiritual pursuit. 
The famous Gemara in Shabbos says that the non-Jew came to Hillel. And he said, after he wasn't successful with Shammai, says to Hillel, teach me everything while I stand on one leg. And the famous response of Hillel was, That which you hate, anything you don't like, don't do to somebody else. This is the golden principle. Then he goes on to say, and this is a very well-known line, but I'm not sure it's well understood. Zohi kol ha-Torah kulo. This is the entire Torah. Loving your fellow is the entire Torah. The idach perusha. Everything else, Rashi explains, shar divrei Torah, everything else you'll find in Tanakh, in Torah Shabbal Peh, all of the mitzvos, those are all commentary on this one principle of loving your fellow. So clearly he was saying loving your fellow as yourself is a big deal. And that's the premise of Judaism. What does it mean everything else is commentary? Commentary means these are somehow explaining or enhancing or bringing to life this one idea. How, how is the mitzvah of tefillin commentary on loving your fellow Jew? How is the mitzvah of mezuzah, or not wearing shatnas, or not eating treif? What does that have to do? How does that explain, how does that shed light on loving my fellow Jew? And what's more puzzling, all these strange things we find about love, the Mishnah in Pirkei Avos, also a well-known Mishnah, if we're consumed with jealousy, with lust, or with the pursuit of honor, that will drive me out of this world. So the, the simple understanding means you're not going to have a life. It's going to impact you in the world to come. And even in this world, you're not going to have any satisfaction. You're not going to feel happy. You're always jealous. You're always wanting more. You're always needing more respect. The Rambam says, what will these things do to you or any negative character trait? Ki with these negative midos, or even one of them, you will be almost forced into losing your faith, losing your belief in the Torah. What in the world does having bad midos have to do with not believing in the Torah. Those are two separate worlds. Right? You could have those people who are very devout, very religious, and they believe in everything, but they're not such a mensch. They're not so careful. They're not so sensitive. And you could have another kind of person where they're very caring and loving and kind, but they don't believe so much or they have doubts. Somehow the Rambam's telling us these two worlds come together. If I'm obsessed with my jealousy, with my pursuit of honor, with, with physical indulgence, then that has a direct impact on my amuna, on my, my belief and my, my conviction in Hashem and the Torah. What is that connection? Last point to bring up is in the, the Mishnah towards the end of Perkyavos, where it goes to the 48 ways of acquiring the Torah. And these are the 48 prerequisites. So there's three in a row that are listed. Ahuv, 
means to be loved. I have to be loved by others, which is a very interesting requirement. It's not something I have to do. I have to be the recipient of love. Clearly, the indication here is I could do things, I could act in a way to receive love, but I have to receive love. That's one of the 48 requirements to really acquire Torah. Ohe vesemako. I have to love Hashem. Okay, that makes sense. Got to love God. Ohev es habrios. You have to love people. Loving people is a nice thing. Why is that one of the 48 ways needed to really learn and understand and absorb the wisdom of Torah? Let's say I'm a jerk, but I love learning, and I'm very brilliant, and I do it all the time. I don't love people. People bother me, and they annoy me. Right? Why do you have to love people to, to have a havana, to have an understanding, a grasp of the Torah? So these are many confusing things, many thoughts that have been floating around my mind for many years, where there seems to be some connection between our love of other human beings and our amuna, our conviction, our belief in Hashem, and even our ability to understand His Torah. What is that connection? So the, the Jewish way in answering any question is to pose another question. There, there's two places in Tanakh where there's a reference to a particular book, and the book itself is somewhat mysterious. The book is called Sefer Hayashar, the book of the upright. So one reference we find in Sefer Yoshua. This is during the miraculous episode where Hashem kept the sun in the sky for enough time to have Yeshua beat the, 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 the army, Melchamas Ai. And it says, Halo Suva al Sefer Hayashar. This is written or this is referenced to in the Sefer Hayashar, the book of the upright. And then we have another reference, which is in Shmuel. We did this recently together on Shabbos afternoon. During the eulogy of David for Shaul HaMelech, he says, that the children of Yehuda need to learn how to shoot bows and arrows. That's a whole discussion what that means. But again, a similar phrase, this is spoken about in the Sefer Hayashar. Where is the Sefer Hayashar? Last time I checked, that was not one of the 24 books of the Tanakh. So where is the Sefer Hayashar? So there's a Gemara in the that has two interpretations. The first understanding is, that's a reference to Bereshis, the first book of the Torah. Why is it called the book of the upright? Because in Bereshis we have all of the stories of Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, and they're referred to as Yesharim. That was their identity, that was their quality. They taught us how to behave. There's another interpretation in the Gemara that says Sefer HaYashar is actually Devarim, the last book of the Torah. So why is Sefer Devarim called Sefer HaYashar? So it quotes a verse from this week's Parsha, Dechsev, because it says in Parsha's Veschanan, Vasisa HaYashar Vahatov Be'enei Hashem. You should do that which is 
straight, and good in the eyes of God. So maybe Sefer Yashar is Bereshis, because everything in Bereshis is about Yashrus, about being honest and living a life of integrity, and Chesed, the stories of our Ovos. And maybe it's Devarim. Why is it Devarim? Because there's one place in the entire book that happens to have the word Yashar. So that's why we call the book of Devarim Sefer HaYashar. Right, so something's, something's funny here. The Marshal comes along and he's bothered by this question. He says, I don't get it. If you want to tell me Beresh is a Sefer Yashar, that's fine. It's all about the Ovos. But just because there happens to be one word, Yashar, do that which is straight and good in the eyes of God, why does that give the title of the entire fifth book of the Torah, the Book of the Upright? It's also mentioned in Shmos, says the Marsha. And it's also mentioned in Shoftim, in Tanakh. It's mentioned many places. That's the question of the Marsha. So I hope you're thoroughly confused, because we have a lot of questions on the table. But I want to share with you what the Ramban says, and I think based on this we'll begin to piece everything together. The Ramban on this verse in Parshas Veschanan. What is the mitzvah? Do that which is straight and good in the eyes of God. What is that mitzvah? Says the Ramban. He says, we know that there's no way that Hashem could legislate everything that we should and should not be doing in the Torah. The Torah is not that big. For God to go through every scenario of neighbors and friends and family members and my mother-in-law and we're standing in the kitchen and my father-in-law's in the dining room. There's so many billions and billions and billions of things that will happen throughout history. It is impossible for the Torah to give us a rundown what to do in every case. Therefore, says the Ramban, this is a Pasuk where it gives you very broad guidelines. The Torah is telling you, I've given you many mitzvos. I've given you a clear understanding, a clear path as to what I want from humanity. I want you to respect each other. I want you to love each other. Don't take revenge. Don't bear a grudge. Now I'm telling you, in all areas of human interaction, do what I want you to do, even if I don't specify it. Meaning to say, and the Ramban actually spells some of these examples out, he says, Speaking to people, all people, Jews and non-Jews, in a pleasant way, that's part of the mitzvah of smiling at somebody, making someone feel good about themselves. Little, tiny, insignificant or trivial things, that's all in the general obligation, do the right thing. So what the Ramban is telling us is something massive. And, and this redefines the entirety of the Torah. What is the Torah? Well, we think, listen, we have the, the words of the Torah, we have the, the five books. The Ramban is telling us that these are just Ramazim. Every responsibility, every obligation, every mitzvah we have in the Torah, 
that's just a clue to the Ratzon Habare. That's an indication to the will of God. Our goal in life is to do the will of God. That's not how we spelled out. How do we do that? We have to have yashros. We have to have integrity. So why is Devarim called Sefer Hayashar? It's only one verse in the entire book. The answer is very simply because that one verse redefines the entire book and in truth, it redefines the entire Torah. It's more than just these 613 mitzvos. You thought 613 was a lot. That's nothing. Those are just chapter titles. Those are headings for entire paragraphs and, and pages and pages. Where do those pages come from? They have to come from within. Why is the Torah called the Shira? Kisvu lechem es hashira hazos. Write this song. The Torah is not a song. The Torah is the Torah. Explains Rav Goldvicht. He was the head of the yeshiva Kerem B'Yavna, one of the disciples of the Chazonish. He said, what is a song? When you write down a song on paper, assuming you could read music, is the melody on the paper? Can you hear it? Remember years ago, when CDs were somewhat of a new thing. So, as a joke, there was a little boy who gave one to me. It was some kind of Jewish song. So I did this. I, I don't hear anything. And he, he thought I was serious for a moment, but I wasn't. But any music on paper, you could put the paper to your ear, you're not going to hear anything. Every note is only a symbol that I know what chord to play. I know the key, but there's no music here. The music has to come from you. That says Rav Goldvich, that's why the Torah is called a song. Kisvu lechem hazos. Don't think just by following the, the do's and don'ts, you're going to be listening and appreciating and living the music of the Torah. Those are just the symbols. You have to play them, but the music has to come from you. Pekudei Hashem Yesharim Misam right? The statutes of the Torah make you happy. But I'm learning and I'm not really feeling it so much. Well, if I'm not in tune to the music, I'm just reading the symbols on the page. The music has to come from me. I have to transform myself into an Ish Yashar, someone who lives with integrity, someone who views the world not from the lens of, well, listen, if I bought it anyway and they do have a return policy, Within 30 days, they're okay to take it back. So I bought it in order to use it for this particular bar mitzvah, and then I'll bring it back to the store later, and they know people are going to do it. That's not how a Jew thinks! That's not v'asisa ha'yosher v'hatov b'ene Hashem. These kunsin, these times of things to work around the system, it's hard because we're very smart people and we're creative, so we find all the ways to get through, but it doesn't mean that's what we should be doing. We have to live with yashrus when we're living with integrity, which really means, if you just define the word, I'm willing to do what I feel is right, even though it might not be comfortable. I'm willing to do what I feel God wants from me, even though I might have a bias to do something else. That's what integrity means. People use the phrase, uh, we have a moral compass. Morality 
is a conviction that I want to do this, not because it feels good. Sometimes it does, and deep down I know when I'm doing the right thing, it does feel good. But there are many times where it's inconvenient. And there's many times where I'm going to be wasting money by doing it like this, and I could be saving a lot of money, or even making money, if I did it in a different way. That's not what God wants from us. I've told this story before, but why not say it again? That there is a question and answer session with Rabbi Yisrael Belsky, Zeichet Tzadik Mavrocha. And one question that was posed to him was some very convoluted, complicated way of, of making money that might be officially legal, but, but probably not. And, and the, the response of Rav Belsky was priceless. He was basically shocked by the question. So he turns to the guy and says, one second, do you believe that God decrees how much you're making on Rosh Hashanah? Yeah, of course. It's Gemara and Beya. So that means you have to do your hishtadlus. You have to go out and do your effort. Do you think this is the hishtadlus that a Kaddish Baruch Hu wants you to do? This is the way God wants you to make the money? Trust me, don't do this. You'll find another way. You'll make the same money. Why is it, getting back to our questions regarding love, why did the Arizal, I don't know this for sure, and there could be many deeper and more sophisticated reasons behind this, but I would guess one reason why the Arizal has on his kever, this one teaching of accept upon ourselves to love our fellow brothers and sisters before davening, is because it's the most basic thing in the world. That is the foundation of everything. When it's not about me, I'm not letting my bias get in the way. I'm doing it because I'm reaching out above and beyond myself. That's the most important thing. What does that have to do with tefillah? Well, once I'm not stuck within my own head, once I'm not limited to my own daladamos of my experience, so then, I don't have the same blockage. I don't have the same emotional and spiritual walls that are blocking me when I'm trying to communicate with Hashem. What does Hillel mean when he tells this, this person standing in front of him? It's all about love, the idach pirusha, and everything is just commentary. How is the mitzvah to fill in commentary to loving your fellow? Because every mitzvah is done with the backdrop, with this, this glow from the, the, behind the curtains of ava, of love, of integrity, where I'm not letting myself block what I should be doing. That's the backdrop of everything. The only way to love someone in a real, genuine, sincere way is not letting me block it. That's what he was telling this fellow. What's the connection between our midos and, and belief in God, that if we're obsessed with jealousy and pursuing honor, then somehow we're not going to believe? It's very clear. If I'm into myself, I have too much blocking me and blinding me to have real, clear emunah and bitachon. Why do I have to have the quality of ohevesa brios? Why do I have to love people to acquire Torah? It's the same exact idea. If I'm too into myself, then it's going to be a blockage. I need to be opened. Open to others, open to truth. Then I can learn well, then I can daven well, then I can do any mitzvah with sincerity. 
with a sense of, we say, l'shem shemayim. It's not just because it feels good, but I'm doing it because it's something more, it's beyond, it's above me. And this is kind of an elusive idea, but I want to try to break it down into more realistic terms. People will often say, I love him. I love this. And we view love as something that we have towards a particular person or thing. That's not how the Torah views love. The goal of the Torah is not to have love for somebody or something. The goal is to transform ourselves into lovers of people. I don't have love for you. I happen to love you because I know you and I, and I see your qualities. But it's not that I have something external. Ohevesa habrios is I'm transforming myself into a lover of humanity. I'm a different human being. I want to read to you from the writings of Rav Kook, the way he expresses this in his very poetic, almost magical way. This is source number 15. Haneshama Shalonuhi, our united soul, is Chazaka Adira. It is so strong. Chomos Barzal Himeshaberis. It breaks through walls of iron. Horim Vigavoasi Mipotsetsis. It breaks down hills and valleys. It has no end, it has no limit. Iefshar Lolihis Kavates. It's impossible to constrain it. The love within the neshama is impossible to keep it in. It has to spread. It has to just flow out. Our feeling towards every single person, bekulam, is that the love is spreading out as kulam techabek, that we embrace all, as kulam techayev oded, we breathe life, we, we support them as kulam toshiv lemakom beis chayenu, everyone we return to the house of our life. He goes on to say, Avas Yisrael mechayeves avas kol ha'adam. Having love for our fellow Jew obligates us to have love for every human being. How does that work? Why can't I? I, I love my fellow Jew, I love my family. And maybe I respect every human being, but why does having love for a fellow Jew necessitate having love for everybody? Explains Rav Kook, If we find that we have a hatred towards any population, then simin shalom netara adayin haneshama mizumasa. That's an indication that our neshama has not been cleansed from the fog and the guk surrounding it. What, what does this mean? Rav Kook is saying as follows. It's not that I have love for something, but the love the Torah demands of us. Do the right thing, care about people. That love is transforming myself into a lover of humanity. If I love, then there's no way to say, well, I, I love these people and these people I hate. Love, by definition, is expansive. 
I can't, I can't constrain it to one person or one segment of the population. Obviously, the concern we have for our family is a different level, and Klal Yisrael is mishpacha. But don't think, says Rav Kook, that I hate everyone else in the world, but I have true Avas Yisrael. That doesn't work. So getting back to, let's say, some of our questions in the beginning. My sister's getting married to a non-Jew, and my family's looking at me as if I'm being judgmental, and I'm looking down at them, and, and I'm coming from a very negative place. The answer might be, you are. And that could be problematic. Obviously, if you could say something, if you could do something, if you could be influential, then of course you have to. But in a case where you can't say anything, and the more I try to add my two cents, the more harm it's doing, the more fuel I'm adding to the fire, they know I'm not in agreement. They know this is not what I want for her. They know that I'm not happy about this. But if it's coming from a place of sinner, if it's coming from a source of hatred, then they're picking up on something that's treif. They're picking up on something that's not Jewish. We have to love everybody. Loving everybody doesn't mean I have to agree with everybody. So the mother said to me, why can't my son just say mazel tov? Why can't he say congratulations to his sister? Right? It's a good question. And you put yourself in her shoes. Come on. You don't have to be on board with it. Wish her congratulations. So she, she looked towards me. And assuming I was a, a reasonable fellow, she thought that I would, I would say, of course, you should say congratulations, mazel tov. You know, you have to show love. I said, you can't say congratulations. Just because we love people, it doesn't mean that we ever compromise on our values. And this has to be very, very delicate, very sensitive. But the example I gave was as follows. You could have two siblings who grow up with very different political views. One is very pro-life, and one is very pro-choice. And every time they get together for Thanksgiving, they always bring up politics, and they're arguing, and they're yelling, and a nice family dinner turns into a fight. But they could still love each other immensely. Because just because I don't accept your view, I could still accept you. Just because I don't agree with your decision, it doesn't mean I have to write you off as a person. I have no hatred in my heart whatsoever towards you. You're my sister, and I'll love you forever. I might not agree with every decision. And if you want me to come in when you're the abortion doctor and say, Mazel tov on the abortion, I'm not going to do that. I don't feel comfortable doing that. That would be a violation of my, my core values. But I still love you. So love we have for the Jewish people, if it's real Avas Yisrael, that spreads throughout humanity. But that doesn't mean I have to agree to everything. What it does mean is that it has to come from a real makor, a real source of Ava. I, I read in a book recently, there is a Rebetzin, Heni Machlis, well-known Sadekis, living in Yerushalayim, and they, they would host every Shabbos. Tons and tons of people. She came from America originally. Amazing stories. One story it shared, though, is that at her shiva, when she passed away, 
there was a young girl, I think it was in seminary at the time, and that's what she was doing in Eretz Yisrael, and she would eat by the, the machlises somewhat often. She came into the, the shiva home, and one of the daughters came running up to her. She was now married, and she would visit once in a while with her kids. One of the daughters came running up and said, you should know my mother loved you so much. She had so much ava for you, and she loved Yaakov and Hillel and Sarah, and she started naming off her children. And she felt like a million bucks. Wow, we really had a strong relationship. She sits down, and she's there for a while, and then she sees another young lady walk in, and the daughter, oh, Bela! She goes over to her, my mother loved you so much, and she starts listing her children as well. So at first, the, 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 the young lady was a little bit taken aback. You know, you're doing that for everybody? But then she realized it's not a show. It's not a gimmick. That's the way that she felt. There was a love that was so expansive. People will sometimes argue, how could you have so many children? Do you think you really have enough love to go around? <laughs> love doesn't work in mathematical terms. Right? I already have so much over here. I'm not sure how much I can put over here. You might not have enough patience. That's a different story. But, but love can spread. So I think just to get back, and we'll end with this, Sefer Devarim is called Sefer Hayashar. It's true, it's only one little Pasuk there. But that one Pasuk redefines the entire Torah. We cannot fool ourselves into believing that we are Torah Jews just by reading the music. We have to be playing the music. And playing the music often means I'm doing more than what it's actually said, but I'm getting into the Ratzon Hashem. The, 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 the Torah tells us that You should listen to the mitzvahs. What does it mean to listen to a mitzvah? Listen to the idea behind the mitzvah. What is God telling me? And then run with it. It might not be officially stealing, but is this what God wants me to do? I might not have to go out of my way in this particular circumstance, but maybe I should push myself. That's the power of love. Does love conquer all? It depends. Love does not always determine what the right thing is, but it will determine how to react or how to respond in every given situation. We should be zocha to have avas Yisrael, and that should spread to all humanity. Okay. <laughs>